Welcome to Comfort's Corner, a brand new podcast where we're going to be bringing you a regular update on what's happening in the world of public transportation. It's a look into the future of public transportation, my new number one bestseller on Amazon, but it's also a look at what's happening right now in the world of public transportation with COVID-19, the coronavirus, affecting transit systems across the world. I'm Paul Comfort, the host of another popular podcast called Transit Unplugged, one of the world's top podcasts for transportation, where Every two weeks, we bring you an interview with a top CEO. But it seems like right now, there's so many things happening in the world of transportation. I wanted to start getting that information more regularly to you on what's happening and impacting us today, right now. So instead of the future public transportation, as my buddy Jeff Gray suggested today, why don't you make it the near future? And so that's what we're going to be talking about today on Comfort's Corners. What is happening right now in public transportation? Most of you know I'm the former CEO of the MTA in Baltimore and have been a 30-year veteran of our industry. I've written a couple books uh, from the transportation world. The first uh, was Full Throttle about careers in public transportation. And more recently, just started this March, our new book, The Future of Public Transportation, which included um, input and chapters from 40 leading futurists and transit CEOs. I've heard from a lot of folks who ask me, Paul, are you going to make that into an audio book? And I might eventually, but it's 425 pages long. And right now, I don't have the interest in recording all that. But I am going to leave you on each of these episodes of Comfort's Corner um, with a chapter or a reading from the book. So you can hear about some of what's happening in the book. The book is available online at Amazon, both for an ebook download and for um, a regular paperback book. The paperback is 1995 and the ebook download, we basically gave it away for the first few weeks at 99 cents. And now it's back to its normal price of $8.99 for a download. So if you're stuck at home and you're looking for something to do and you want to kind of uh, like a lot of people are do, trying to improve yourself, uh, trying to learn more about your industry, I would suggest the book, The Future of Public Transportation is one you might be interested in. So, but we, we want to talk first off about what's happening right now in the world of public transportation. I mean, there is, uh, I've been dealing with a lot of um, input from transit agencies around the country, and there's a lot happening right now in public transportation, as you're probably aware. Uh, transit service in general is being impacted dramatically as ridership decreases are happening. So what's happening is that uh, a lot of businesses are being shut down. People don't have to drive to work. A lot of businesses are telling their employees, you know, work from home. Um, and so there's a lot less ridership. Ridership on some of the uh, commuter trains and commuter bus services are down 60, 80. I heard even one place in New York, 90% yesterday from normal ridership. And average across the systems that I've talked to, and I've talked to probably a half dozen in the last day or so, and then seen media reports, transit systems are having big ridership losses. So for instance, um, BART in the Bay Area has lost between 60 and 70% of their, of their regular ridership. Public transit is really, a, you know, the wheels and the bus go round and round, but it really makes our economy move. And when the economy slows down, people don't need to ride the transit services. Several transit agencies have chosen kind of an interesting strategy, and that is they're letting passengers ride for free. And why is that? Well, a lot of it's because drivers do not want to be um, having to kind of interact with the public and potentially get uh, the coronavirus, COVID-19, as they're handling cash and people are coughing when they get on the bus, et cetera. So a lot of agencies are moving quickly to rear door entry uh, only. At first, it was both door entry, and now some of them are saying rear door entry. And of course, the fare boxes are not in the rear of the bus. Uh, some places have fare boxes back there 
or um, readers, which you can scan somebody's card. Uh, but a lot of times the actual fare box for cash is only up front. So transit agencies like in uh, Akron, Canton, Toledo, and Youngstown have all announced that they're terminating fare collection until the virus receives. Uh, other systems from Nevada, Vermont, other states are doing the same thing. Of course, my buddy Robbie Mackinnon, who you'll hear a little bit more about later in this podcast, have already been trying to push for free transit. And so the idea is that um, you know we're not going to have people within six feet of each other that way. And some agencies like Houston announced this week that they're actually adding buses to their heaviest use routes so that um, people could socially distance while they're on the vehicle. An interesting, um, an interesting approach. Again, this instituting of the rear door boarding policies, uh, there's a number of places that are saying that's what we're doing. It, it already happens, as you know, in a lot of places around the world. Uh, places like uh, London, TFL, where my buddy Simon Reed uh, works there, uh, they've been without cash for years. And so um, it's a great way for people to, uh, in Europe, they don't have to interact because you just get on and tag your, um, your card or your phone, whatever you have going on there. It's uh, what's happening though is, so they're doing that, but they're moving to rear door entry, but because these uh, the fare boxes are going down, the fare box recovery ratio, uh, this is a big part of what a lot of agencies rely on to fund their agency. So that's becoming a real problem. Uh, a lot of places are looking, you know, they look for 20 to 40% when it comes to fare box recovery ratios, meaning the amount of money that comes in at the fare box will cover that percentage of their operating costs. Remember, operating costs are separate from capital budgets, which pay for buildings, bricks and mortar, buses and trains. But the day-to-day operating costs, those ratios are covered by fare boxes. And of course, there is now a short-term collapse in fare revenue. And so, um, you know, with these, these are multi-million dollar losses for these transit agencies. And so APTA is stepping up. The American Public Transit Association just put out a legislative alert um, and are asking for help in securing emergency public transit COVID-19 funding. As you know, the airlines are looking for, you know, at least a $50 billion bailout. And so Congress is actively working on a third package. Uh, the second package um, was signed into law by the president earlier this week. And now they're working on a third package, which could be, uh, you know, a bailout for a lot of industries. And so we want to make sure that public transportation doesn't get left behind. Public transportation organizations are working tirelessly to maintain these essential services. We want to ensure that the federal government includes emergency aid to the public transportation agencies to help offset the additional costs and the lost revenue related to COVID-19, says APTA in their recent legislative alert. My buddy Paul Scatellis, who is CEO and president of APTA, has sent a letter to President Trump and congressional leaders requesting $16 billion in direct emergency funding for public transit agencies to offset some of the extraordinary direct costs of revenue losses responding to the crisis. And uh, they are asking for people to contact your members of Congress at 202-224-3121 and ask your members of Congress to support this funding, 202-224-3121. Uh, there are a number of costs that have been uh, that need to be recovered, including, like I said, between seven and eight billion dollars of fare box loss revenues, almost two billion dollars in direct costs of increased cleaning of vehicles and facilities. As you know, a lot of transit agencies have moved now toward not just cleaning the buses once at night, but they're doing cleaning at the end of the line. So some some buses and trains are getting cleaned every two hours, sometimes every hour, uh, and that's um, you know that 
increase the costs dramatically. The facilities are being cleaned, et cetera. Uh, there's been a loss of dedicated sales tax revenue uh, because of what's happening there. And then the restart costs. So they're asking now for members of Congress to include funding for public transportation of at least $16 billion to help us um, kind of recover you know, from what's happening right here. And a lot of smaller transit agencies now are, again, taking a hit. It's not just the big cities. So uh, Mass Transit Magazine pointed out this week, some are ceasing service altogether and others are concentrating on providing only medically essential trips. So they point out Livingston Essential Transportation Services in Michigan suspended service on March 17th through April 5th. They're going to continue to operate service for dialysis patients and other medical rides with the help of a dozen volunteer riders and community organizations. Obviously, these are serious decisions that are being made. The Makatawa Area Express, which serves Holland, Michigan, suspended all bus service on the 18th, but they're working to provide some work, medical rides, and grocery store rides through its Reserve Max service. Um, the Greater Glen Falls Transit System in the North Country of New York State has uh, decided that they will, you know, suspend services effective March 23rd until conditions uh, are allowing them to move forward. You may have heard earlier this week, the Green Bay Metro Transit in Green Bay, Wisconsin, stopped regular public transportation service on March 16th, but is continuing to provide paratransit service for medically necessary services. The mayor says he regrets the disruption, but the city must err on the side of caution. So there's lots of things happening uh, around the country as transit agencies are, um, are pushing to make sure that they keep their drivers safe as well as their passengers safe. The U.S. Department of Transportation published a blog on March 18th reiterating its commitment to keeping transportation systems operating at a high level. Secretary of Transportation Elaine Chao explained small transit operators can use federal formula funding to cover half of their operating expenses, including items such as personal protective equipment, such as face masks, gloves, or hand sanitizer. Additionally, the Federal Transit Administration Emergency Relief Program is allowing transit agencies operating in states that have declared an emergency to use urban and rural transit formula funding to pay up to 80% of the cost of activities aimed at containing COVID-19. Secretary Chow has said that transportation systems are always important for communities and our country and never more so during a crisis. And that's why they're working overtime to respond to the COVID-19 situation affecting the U.S. and around the world. And so there's a lot of things happening. Uh, a lot of systems have um, are, are closing their doors and closing their stores, their transit stores. Um, they're closing facilities to the public, but keeping the bus service going. It'll be interesting if you can let us know what your transit system is doing. If you'd like to uh, be included in what's happening in an upcoming episode, let me know. On LinkedIn, you can find me at um, Paul Comfort on LinkedIn, or you can give me a tweet at, at Comfort Paul on Twitter. Uh, those are the two best places to get me. I'm also on Instagram at Paul Comfort 2020, where we're putting up some photos of what's happening around the country. This is a resource for you. I hope that you'll continue to listen to us as we bring you the updates of what's happening on a regular basis. We're going to get this podcast out daily or every other day if we can for the time being to make sure that folks know what's happening. We'll also be talking to some people individually to find out what their companies or their systems are doing uh, to respond to the transit crisis. And we also want to take some time uh, because we know we are in an urgent situation, but we also want to take some time to bring you what's happening um, in our book, The Future Public Transportation. So I'll be reading segments from the book on this podcast as well. Thanks for being with us on this first special episode of Comfort's Corner as we're bringing you the immediate 
uh, situations that are occurring and the immediate crisis response that transit systems are providing across the country and across the world. Hi, Paul. Hey, John. How you doing? Thanks for joining us today on Comfort's Corner. It's my pleasure. Thank you. So um, we've been talking about how the COVID-19 virus has been affecting transit systems around the country. And um, a lot of transit has run through contracts with contractors like your company. Tell us a little about your company and what's happening right now in the field. Sure, Paul. Um, Userve is what we call an adaptive TNC, an adaptive transportation network company. And we work with transit agencies and their contractors as a provider for ADA and paratransit services. The difference is that the difference as a TNC is that our drivers are credentialed. They're tested to FTA drug and alcohol requirements. um, And they're able to take on uh, special services uh, especially when, when addressing something like COVID-19 as a part of their um, support for any riders um, in, in programs that they're serving. So our drivers are independent contractors. They have their own vehicles. Uh, they're credentialed, as I mentioned, uh, to be compliant with uh, ADA requirements. Um, but they, they also are, are providing a door-to-door service Um, and educate themselves on HIPAA, uh, first aid, CPR, disability sensitivity training, et cetera. We have now uh, included training for them on wiping down their vehicles, uh, cleaning their vehicles consistent with CDC requirements so that they can continue to provide this service and benefit the ridership. What's most important, though, is that when we think about public spaces, uh, the benefit that we believe we're, we're providing to riders is that this is a single load uh, transport. Um, it minimizes the amount of time that somebody is in a vehicle, and um, it's just the rider with the driver, which mitigates uh, some of the risks that come with, uh, with multi-loaded vehicles as an option. Oh, that's very good. So in we're at the end of this week now, and as we wrap the week up, what are you seeing? What's been happening with ridership? And I know you have contracts across the country in dozens of places where you're transporting the thousands of uh, elderly, disabled folks and regular riders. Tell us about what you're experiencing as CEO of this company. What's rolling up to you, and what are you all doing to help transit agencies? Well, we're, we're fielding a, a lot of requests uh, for assistance, people that are reaching out and saying, Uh, We're very concerned about what we may be able to offer to our clients. Um, They were very happy to see the training that we're doing on uh, vehicle sanitizing or cleanliness. Um, And and we have a lot of folks that that are are saying, you know, they're not sure what's going to happen. The public guidance of, of staying at home or avoiding public spaces has dropped ridership significantly But at the same time, there's a clear need to provide that in a safe and effective way. I think there's a lot of shock this week um, with the the reality of the the virus that everyone is dealing with. Um, And we have seen a reduction in rides, again, per public instruction. But I think that's going to balance itself out. And we're going to see more and more people taking trips uh, when they realize the protection that's available for them. 
right now more than ever, I would think that medical trips especially are important. Uh, part of the headlines from today were that a number of agencies in, o- in Ohio and Michigan and other places are kind of, uh, for smaller agencies, they're basically shutting down a lot of their services and only providing trips to, you know, dialysis and medical things. Um, do you agree that, I mean, at this point, that's probably the most important type of transportation we can do. Right. And, 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 and the, the, the type of cleaning that's required with the vehicles uh, and so on, if they're protecting a certain uh, ridership, they're, they're going to have to limit it um, to those uh, vital services uh, uh, for their constituents. Um, and, 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 you know, cleaning vehicles every time they come in uh, for fuel or whatever is, is, is required. They're doing cleanings now four and five times a day. What right. we're what we see is a, again a balance uh, where where as people become more comfortable and understand um, single ridership and 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 a cleaner a, an easier to maintain environment uh, that can be beneficial overall and and the non emergency medical transportation clients that we're we're serving um, see this as a great opportunity on that side business is very strong. Uh, on the transit side, we've seen uh, a reduction just since Monday, but I think it's a shock factor and that will balance itself out. Yeah, well, that's good. You've got your finger on the pulse of what's happening around the industry and around the country. Uh, could we check back with you a couple times as we continue this uh, regular show now? I'd look forward to it, Paul. It, it, it's obviously a very dynamic environment. Uh, I'd be very happy to share what we see uh, going forward. Excellent. Thank you so much, John Donlin, who is CEO of Userve, which is providing um, a really unique service uh, around the country to provide transportation services using uh, a flexible model. Thanks so much for being with us, John. Thank you, Paul. Have a good day. And now for the segment of our program where I read to you a section of my new best-selling book, The Future Public Transportation. The idea came to me, as you know, I host the um, Transit Unplugged podcast sponsored by Trapeze, uh, my employer, and uh, I interview CEOs around the world, and it came to me as I've interviewed like 75 of them now, um, I've got my finger kind of on the pulse of what's happening in this industry, and so I asked 40 of um, my best friends in the business uh, and futurists and CEOs of transit agencies to give me a take on, um, you know, what they think is happening in the future public transportation. So we did. We put together the book, and it's really got four main sections. It's got uh, the first section is practical improvements, where we talk about the first chapter is a story about how I made some improvements at the MTA with the help of um, uh, our big, our great team there. And then we go into, it's basically 10 chapters on practical improvements on what contractors are doing, the future of paratransit, passenger rail, safety, data reporting, labor relations, asset management, talent, and fleet maintenance. Again, this is practical improvements that are happening in the future of public transportation right now. Then we move into the section of CEO speak. And here we've got uh, several CEOs who write chapters on what they're doing in their transit systems. MJ Maynard from Vegas, Phil Verster from Toronto, uh, Metrolinks, Jeffrey Arndt from Via in uh, San Antonio, Lauren Skyver from Sunline Transit in Coachella Valley, Stephen Bland from the Nashville MTA, now called WeGo, uh, J. Roger Morton, my buddy in Oahu, 
over in Hawaii. John Lewis from Charlotte, who used to work at the MTA. Uh, Gordon McLennan, a guy who was a great guy, kind of became like almost like a grandfather figure to me uh, in Glasgow, Scotland. And Bill Carpenter from Rochester, New York, uh, outstanding CEO there and the first guest on my podcast, Transit Unplugged. Then we go into part three. The book is Industry Association Views. We've got Paul Scatellis from APTA, Scott Bogren from CTAA, Marco D'Angelo from CUDA, the Canadian Urban Transit Association, and Robert Puentes. Bob Puentes is CEO of the Eno Center for Transportation, our, our nation's uh, really uh, leading think tank. And then we go into part four of the book, which is Top Transit Trends. We go into everything from machine learning to uh, what's happening in open loop payments, um, and uh, the future of electric buses, what's happening in Latin America, Hyperloop, shared transit, uh, equity, the Generation Z perspective with Brahman Sawyer at the end. It's just a great book, 425 pages. But as, as I mentioned, some people have asked me, Paul, will you put this in uh, audio form? And I might eventually do it. But right now, I'm going to start reading you sections on this podcast. <laughs> Why not, right? Uh, and so I'm going to read you now the forward to the book. It was written by Robbie Mackinnon, who is CEO of the Kansas City Area Transportation Authority, who's a dear friend of mine and the only uh, blind CEO of a major transit system in America. Uh, and he basically has told me, you know, that when he lost his vision as an adult about eight years ago now, he wrote a chapter also in my first book, uh, Full Throttle. But when he lost his vision, it, um, it really gave him – when he lost his sight, it gave him new vision to improve his own transit system. And so uh, – he was able to create something called Ride KC Freedom, which is really the uh, the nation's first um, the nation's first kind of uh, I guess I want to call it it's it's um it's like uh, the nation's first system that is similar to Lyft and Uber, a TNC, but run by a transit agency through contract with a company called Transdev. Um, but it was you know it would be strictly for people with disabilities. He calls them diverse abilities. Um, but now it's even expanded beyond that. So Robbie's a great guy. He's got a great vision. He's one of the leaders of the national movement to move to no fares, to basically get rid of that fare box ratio and allow other uh, budgets to cover the costs. Robbie wrote the forward to my book and said, when Paul asked me to write the forward for his new book, The Future of Public Transportation, my answer was immediately yes. First of all, Paul's a good friend and I was honored to be asked. He was one of the first industry peers I met after pivoting from my role as chairman of the board of the Kansas City Area Transportation Authority, KCATA, to president and CEO of the organization. Right away, I could see that Paul Comfort was an innovator and saw things through a similar lens as me. He knows, like I do, that real change is only possible at the end of your comfort zone. So let's get a little uncomfortable. When I lost my vision seven years ago, it was incredibly hard for me to do business across the city, county, and state lines. I was thrust into a new way of life and had to learn to navigate multiple transit systems. I had the trust and the coordination of four transit agencies to help me get around the region. What I found was the system was fractured, difficult to use, and broken. So at KCATA, we decided to fix it. We became the regional transportation authority that we were intended to be. We fixed our paratransit system so customers with diverse abilities, he says you won't find that in the dictionary, like me, could get around the region with ease and dignity. Now following a strategic approach to implement zero fare transit for veterans, students, and lifeline customers, we are even closer to implementing zero fare transit for everyone in Kansas City, Missouri. In his book, Paul visits with industry leaders who are not afraid to step out from the pack and present their own perspective of the future of our industry. I know in Kansas City, we're charting new territory every day. As innovative approaches like zero fare transit loom on the horizon, 
we can all clearly see that the return on investment of social justice, compassion, and empathy far outweigh the return on investment of concrete and asphalt. And so that's his, um, that is his uh, forward to the book, The Future of Public Transportation. On our next episode, I'll read you my preface and maybe some other information from the book. Hopefully you enjoyed that. And hopefully you're taking a look at the book. Again, it's available on Amazon. Uh, you can do a digital download for $8.99, or you can uh, get the book sent to your house at uh, for uh, 20 bucks. I'm also uh, there's also a website if you'd like to look. There's lots of information on there, blog posts, etc. There's uh, merchandise. There's you know mugs and T-shirts and everything with our logo on it. And it's simple to remember. It's just www.futureofpublictransportation.com. Again, it's futureofpublictransportation.com is the website. Take it. Take a look now. Go there and check it out and see what you think. There's multiple pages with lots of information. We did have a bunch of uh, dates and locations for our worldwide book tour I was going to go on, but everything's been postponed, you know, due to this COVID situation, COVID-19. I had six conferences canceled or postponed uh, that I was going to go on to the next uh, couple months. And we were, we had a party planned for Washington, D.C., uh, we had one for Toronto that's tentatively on hold for now at the end of April, uh, pending the outcome of everything here. And uh, we've got some coming up in Las Vegas and, and uh, Nashville and Atlanta and New York City. But all that is is on hold for now. Um, but if you want to get a signed copy of the book, you can order one there on the website as well. I'll be happy to sign one for you and send it and make it out to whoever you want me to. So that's about it for this section of the podcast. Hopefully you enjoyed the reading from the book, The Future of Public Transportation. And um, if you need help or you need assistance in any way with your public transportation system, reach out to me again on um, LinkedIn at Paul Comfort or on Twitter at Comfort Paul. Uh, my um, email address for my work is paul.comfort at trapezegroup.com. Uh, our company is standing by to help. I'm standing by to help. I'm here to help you in any way I can to help your transit system make the next step to the future of public transportation.